I based the entire thing around what my values would be if I were to start a commune, basically. (laughs) The concept behind that was just kind of channeling my art as a way to communicate uh, what I would envision as a better world, a better society. Hello and welcome to the People of Web3 podcast where we talk to creators, builders, and thought leaders in the Web3 space. We explore and unpack ideas, values, and strategies that hopefully can help all of us navigate this Web3 movement with a bit more purpose and clarity. If this sounds interesting to you, then feel free to subscribe. But other than that, please enjoy the episode. Alrighty, welcome to the People of Web3 podcast, episode numero uno. Number one, I think that's how you say it. Uh, we're your hosts, uh, Blaine, which is me, and Frank over the, over there. Um, and today we have uh, Camilla joining us, our friend from Bali. Uh, she's an interdisciplinary creative NFT artist and also one of the co-founders of NFTBC. So thanks for joining us, friend. Thanks for having me. So honored on- to be your first guest. Yes, very special, very special. Start of something cool, hopefully. <laughs> um, is but, this a would this would this be considered episode zero or episode one? I mean, if we keep, if we're going with the crypto theme, it could be the Genesis episode. Oh, oh, true. <laughs> I like that. Oh, yeah. okay, I like so, that. Yeah. So, numero Genesis uh, episode. Um, so yeah, maybe. Start us off, tell us a bit about who you are, what you do, um, your background um, as a designer, creative artist, all that sort of stuff. Sure. Um, yeah, so I was formally trained as an industrial designer and I was working in that field for a couple of years, focusing mainly in sculpture and furniture. Um, and during the winter of COVID 2021, uh, at the beginning of the year, I came across NFTs just from artists that I was following on Instagram. They started talking about NFTs, especially the digital artists. And I was really curious about it. And I kind of just needed a hobby, like something to distract myself through that like kind of dark time. So I dove into the rabbit hole really quickly and started Uh, just immersing myself in the NFT space and joining like clubhouse rooms and getting a new Twitter account and doing all the things that you do. Um, But I did like take my time before I minted something. I wanted to like just observe the space for a little bit before actually minting my artwork. And I went through a bit of like a style evolution because I wanted to make sure that when I started minting artwork, that it was something that I wanted to be permanent on the blockchain. Um, So I kind of developed almost like a new art style because of NFTs, which was also cool. Um, I had never really made 3D artwork before, but through my work in industrial design, I was familiar with 3D software. So I was using that same software to create my first pieces. Um, And then from there, I just started exploring other areas of Web3. I started working with some NFT projects on like a consulting basis and uh, throwing events. So I threw the first little meetup in Vancouver in November 2021. And that is what spun into NFTBC, 
uh, which I am a co-founder of. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I covered all the things. Awesome. Now I'm doing, yeah, a little bit of everything, still focusing on my art, doing a little bit more commission work. Um, yeah, just like existing in the space has really benefited cool. my art career. Okay, so yeah. I want to dive into the art styles that you have created for Web3, um, something I'm kind of working on as well. How did you um, create this new style? Was there any inspiration that you took off? Um, was it through just your emotions that you were going through during the pandemic? Can you show us, like, tell us a little bit more about how you developed that new style? Yeah. Um... Well, when I started doing like 3D art, I had mainly been using the 3D software to design furniture and uh, I was working for like a, a furniture maker. So often I would be creating environments for the furniture to be presented in as like concepts. So I actually really enjoyed creating the environment um, sometimes more than the furniture or sculpture itself. And so that's kind of like, I just want to continue that, um, creating like these cool immersive environments. Um, and I was really inspired by some of the artists who I'd been following on Instagram for a long time who were doing 3d art. But, uh, I guess the reason why I hadn't pursued 3d art seriously before NFTs was because I didn't see an outlet for it. I didn't see like a career path as a 3D artist. And so I had been admiring all these 3D artists work, but uh, didn't like pursue it until NFTs. And when I did, it just made sense for me to like take inspiration from people like Blake Catherine and Paul Belinsky and these like more architecturally focused artists. There's a couple of interesting things you said there. One, the last, one of the last things you said around before NFTs, you didn't necessarily see a path or like a, a path as an artist or whatever, where you could kind of monetize or, or kind of make, make a career out of, and maybe the NFT space kind of open up some, some new opportunities. So that, that in itself is a pretty cool thing to talk about, but with creators, they, they tend to have like something that, that drives what they do. Uh, you're saying in 2021, that was a bit of a dark time and often kind of dark times can can spawn these kind of interesting ideas. What are some of those drivers for you from like a creative perspective? Like what do you, where, at what state are you the most creative? Are you, when you're happy, when you're free, when you're, or does it come from many different sources? Yeah, uh, that is a really good question. I think it does come from many different sources and I often will create work that's based on what I'm feeling at the moment. Um, so my first collection, it was just a five piece small collection that I dropped on foundation. Um, I based the entire thing around what my values would be if I were to start um, like a, a commune, basically. Okay. <laughs> so um, I think... <laughs> Yeah, it, like the five pillars were um, democracy, compassion. Uh, oh my God, it's been a while. I don't remember all of them, oh, but like awakening can, was one of them. Yeah. But yeah, 
the concept behind that was um, just kind of channeling my art as a way to communicate uh, what I would envision as a better world, a better society. Um, and so, yeah, it. I think sometimes the ideas and like meanings that I have behind my work are quite abstract, uh, but it does come from like a place where it's like the things that I'm thinking about at the time that I'm making the piece. And Interesting. I think it just like translates into the work, whether I'm conscious of it or not. Um, but yeah, I always try to like attach some meaning, like some writing along with the work. And I think yeah. like that's part of my process is the writing in addition to the visuals. Interesting. So the writing to kind of like elaborate, expand a bit more on the, say writing as in literally writing about what you've created. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. My descriptions are often like a little bit poetic and, um, talk more about like why I titled a piece the way that I did or, um, like kind of explaining the meaning of different like symbols or objects yeah. that are, are in That's the cool. space. That's cool. I like how, um, just real quick on that one there. So that, cause you're always quite abstract. Like it's well, at least, at least the stuff that I've seen, um, in the NFT space and stuff like that, there's this abstract element. But that's grounded in these, in something that is real in IRL, as Frank would say, um, these values in the real world, this abstract thing is grounded in these values that you think are important, like the democracy, the these, um, all these different things that you said. So that's kind of cool. Like even you look at something, you're like, what the heck does that mean? And then you're like, that's actually grounded in something that's actually relevant for, for everyone. So that's, that's pretty cool. Sorry, Frank, I cut you off. No, no, no. Um, um, okay, so Camila, I know that you are the co-founder of NFT BC, which I just went to your conference last weekend. Uh, also, thank you for inviting me to speak there um, and also hosting a side event. Yeah, Can you my tell pleasure. Us? Yeah, it was so fun. And the music and, and all the artists and you feature so many local artists and creating that community of just artists in Web3 and also Artists who are not yet in Web3, they're curious, they come and they learn from other artists who have done it and meeting other people to build a support system. And yeah, it's amazing. I'm excited to see where NFT BC would lead to. So hopping on to that, what's your uh, Web3 journey Do you see yourself um, in right now? And also kind of what's your vision? What are you building towards in the future, maybe the next year at least? Yeah, um, I'm kind of riding the wave of Web3. I think you kind of have to be adaptable and, um, yeah, flexible to move as the space evolves and grows. And I think the event this year was a good example of that. This was our second event. The first one was on May 1st, 2022, so exactly a year prior. And that event was completely different from this year. That event was like very much party degen vibes. It was a lot simpler. It was just like 600 people crammed into a theater um, oh, wow. with a couple of panels and a DJ and we were showing art on the big screen. It was just like a completely different vibe from this year, whereas this was more about having these like very intentional uh, like 
serious, but not too serious conversations about the technology and ways that artists are leveraging it to show their work and um, like elevate their careers and creating more space for like interactivity and workshops and onboarding opportunities. So this year was like more about bringing the community together that like already exists and intentionally like sharing ourselves as um, a group that has good intentions within the NFT space within Web3. Whereas last year was just a party celebrating like how things are going. So I think for myself, I, I definitely want to have more time to focus on my personal artwork. Um, I'm working on a new collection of seven pieces. I just got accepted to, um, Avalanche's artist residency. So that's going to allow me to like spend a little more time focusing on that. I haven't even announced it on Twitter or anything yet. So congrats. Well, but yeah, I think <laughs> like I'm, I mean, we do need to like start thinking about what NFTBC is going to look like next year as well. But um, we're going to take some time to like recoup and uh, think about like the what we did really successfully and what could be changed in the future. Like, I think from that outside, it probably looked like a really smoothly run event. Yes. Hopefully, yes, yeah, it did. But like on the back end, there was a lot of stress <laughs> on my on my end. Um, of course. And so I need to like create a system that makes that process more sustainable um, for myself and for my team so that we can continue doing it without burning out. Um, yeah. Mm, okay. And then, yeah. I'll jump in now before we continue. Um, I think... Last year, as you mentioned, I mean, 600, I didn't know it was that big, but parties, music, NFT artists, this place, I think we can pretty much imagine that. But this year, I really like how you focus on artists and also not just visual art. Also, you have professional musicians in the space or experience coming into sharing um, insights as a um, musician, creating NFTs and creating communities. Uh, I think that was very insightful. But... Not just that, but you your workshops and the um, networking sessions that you have, I think those were all really well thought out because they were just so valuable for people who attended. And I've I, I was there, right? So I like, keep hearing people walking around. I was saying, oh, I wish I could go to that event, but now I have to like choose between these three. And you have like four floors at this co-working space, beautiful venue, a lot of events going on at the same time. Um, yeah, I just think that was so much value. I I was only able to attend the uh, speed networking session, which was very fun. You can maybe share a little bit about how the uh, idea came out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also the uh, Manifold by Richard, the Manifold workshop. It's so practical. You have a room full of artists who either have already minted maybe elsewhere. You have um, artists who haven't minted yet, me included. Um, who is con- now considered using Manifold, watching how easy it is and how much control you have over your smart contract. It's just 
um, very practical, I would say, um, value for artists in Web3. So congrats to that, like amazing. Um, yeah, yeah I would love thank to, you. love for you to share a little bit about the few key in, uh, events that you have and why did you decided to include those and how did they actually work out? Did they kind of align to your vision or what was the feedback from the community? Yeah, well, the reason why we structured it the way that we did was because the venue space what became available to us. And we, I mean, it was a really beautiful space and they were extremely generous in helping us um, facilitate the event. So we wanted to take advantage of everything that they were offering. And I think it was like uh, four rooms on, yeah, three floors plus the open uh, like forum space on the main floor. And so we just wanted to fill it to the brim with activities and things for people to do. Um, so yeah, I think it all came about gradually, like at the beginning, I don't think that I had this like cohesive idea of what it would look like in the end. I think it just kind of like evolved as people reached out saying that they wanted to contribute somehow. Um, I definitely wanted to do workshops from the start. Um, and like the fireside chats came about because we had limited opportunities for the panels on the first night because no one wants to sit through like eight hours of panels. So I was like, we should just split it up and then people can decide where they want to be. And I know that networking is like the primary reason why we go to these things. We want to meet other people who are like-minded and building um, with opportunities to collaborate. So the speed networking uh, idea came about in kind of a fun way because we also want it to be like speed dating just as like mm -hmm. a fun little twist. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we were like kind of going back and forth on like how hard to push the dating thing. Um, yeah, and that's also the rose <laughs> petals on the, all over the tables. <laughs> yeah, and like I don't know, I've been like dating people in Web three <laughs> as long as I've been a part of it. So I was just like, it's kind of a natural fit. Like this is what people are doing anyway. Anyway, so yeah, we ended up calling it speed networking, but we put candles and rose petals all over the tables, and then uh, we had this cool collaboration with NMT Seattle. So Mark came up and ran that activation throughout the day, um, helping facilitate conversation with like conversation cards. Um, yeah. So that one was really fun. And I, I wish that I had actually participated, but I was busy running around all day. Yeah. And then, yeah, there were just Missed like out. so, <laughs> I know. There were so many artists who were keen to contribute. And um, we knew that we wanted to have like an art showcase. And so in the submission form to show work at NFTBC, I also added a line um, saying, like, do you have any creative ideas to get involved in other ways with the event? And there were so many submissions that were like really high quality work and also like very experienced um, artists who had led workshops and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to like involve as much of the community as possible in the building process for the event and like really let other uh, parties like take ownership of the event as well. And I think that's something that we did do well. Like 
that's such an easy way to get people excited about the event as well is to like have them directly like taking ownership of something of some piece of it um and then wow. they are like spreading the word to their network and stuff like that so sure yeah amazing and there like there are so many events that we haven't even mentioned you have the art auction with physical art nft art um you have a huge um kind of blank canvas of a f of an art piece by method jones and then you allowed people to paint it um yeah, throughout the, the weekend um that was fun i did that too you had like photo booth you have yeah a lot of things going on there's anyway. a lot <laughs> yeah yeah i'll be there for, I'll be I, there for the next one <laughs> yes Ooh. please do That'd i'll be, be back too i'll be back <laughs> okay <laughs> Give me like a couple months before I need to start planning it. <laughs> On the planning right. it, um, for so for the future NFT BC, um, what are, I guess, what do you see that looking like now that you've got, I guess, experience under you about um, running events like this? Um, what, what do you hope the next ones would be and what learnings do you think you'll take away from your experience and apply in the next one? Yeah. Um, I mean, I learned so much through this one. I, when I started, like I had no event planning experience. Like when I threw the first one last year, um, I learned a lot from that event as well. And then this year it's just like, I keep learning so much about how events work. Um, but I think the, the main thing that I feel we could have done better is the messaging around the event. Like that just took a lower priority because we had so many uh, logistical things to organize um, that like some of our um, marketing messaging around what was happening at the event could have been better. Um, and yeah, there's some like really simple things that you can do to make people happy and make people stick around like offering food and drink. And at the venue, there were like some challenges around that. Um, but I think that was something that stood out to us uh, this year for sure was that if you're asking people to like stick around during the dinner hour, then you got to feed them too. <laughs> Stuff Dang. like that. Um and yeah, I think just like starting planning early and understanding how much work it is. But for next okay. year, we're going to like simplify a little bit. Simplify I think it's going to be something simplify. in between the first year and the second year because oh, <laughs> there okay. is just a lot of moving parts this year. And uh, <laughs> yeah, how many people came actually this year, like total? Uh, we didn't count. Uh, we didn't have like some counting at the door, but we sold out the first night, uh, which was 175 people. And then the second day, I think we ended up selling like That's almost way 300 more. tickets. Yeah. yeah about four, so about 420. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> it's kind of around that number. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess if you like yeah. add the two days. Yeah, if you add the two days. Yeah. Okay, and well, that's yeah, that's doing uh that's doing this bear market too like that's amazing 
Yeah, I mean, it's a different vibe for sure. And I think we kind of, we anticipated it being smaller. We weren't trying to go yeah. for the same like huge party vibe. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. So kind of end the, um, uh, the meetup, the events part, event organizing, what would three tips be for you, um, to people, listeners who are planning to organize small IRL meetups or maybe even conferences at their city? If you can give three practical tips, what would they be? For smaller meetups, I would say just do it. Like when I do the first, <laughs> do when I do the, yeah, just do it. Do it. When I do the first meetup in Vancouver uh, in 2021, I was in this Discord channel, um, and there was uh, it was like a Canada Discord started by Richard, but there was a Vancouver channel and everyone in there was like, "When are we going to have meetup? When are we going to have meetup?" And no one was like stepping up to organize it so that's why i threw the first one and i was like fuck it i'm gonna do it myself and yeah like i think that just like putting my name out there as like a leader with events in vancouver led to so many more opportunities so yeah like whatever hesitations you might have uh like it doesn't hurt to try and like see what happens and you're just gonna like the worst case scenario is that you only have a couple of people show up but then you can have more intimate conversations with those people um and then that's they're gonna like tell their friends about how nice it was to connect and that just means the next one is gonna be a choice of big or four times bigger or whatever so um i agree yeah like small meetups like don't a lot of people i think they they feel like oh if i do a meetup if i do an event it has to have a lot of attendees, but I would say, um, even meetups, like the first ones that I've done, like four people, you actually really get to know them. And then as you mentioned, like afterwards, if they had a good time, if you did a good job, then they would spread the word. And then next time when you ask again, there'll be a little bit more people and then you slowly build onto it. So, okay. So that's for small meetups. How about yeah. for a large conference? So for people who have done meetups, who are, um, maybe organizers of certain communities or have connections and they want to do something a bit larger, 200 people, 400 people, 600 like yours. Um, what would be that one main tip for them? I would say to involve as many existing communities as possible, like really give them a slice of the event for them to take ownership over and like that will give them the incentive to share with their community and, um, you know, like obviously curate it as well. Like we didn't say yes to everybody who wanted to be involved. Like we had to make sure that everyone's values were aligned, et cetera. But I think it just, um, I don't know. That is like what community building is, is like letting the people dictate what, the event looks like or you know it's like who are you building it for if you're just like making all the decisions yourself like you need to involve everybody in that process in order to make sure that everyone is happy and is like getting what they want out of the event um so yeah and i think that's just kind of like a, a smart thing to do to ensure that people show up as well to just like 
make sure that people are sharing it um, and okay. telling people about it. Good tip. Okay. How about, okay, so I would say um, the tip for small meetups is just do it. Start small and have intimate conversations. And then for larger events, conferences, um, involve as many uh, high quality communities that already exist as possible. Give them um, control and give them creative, uh, what's that called? freedom to do what they want to do with their community the way that they do. Um, I like that a lot. How about, how do you deal with the stress, the burnout? Because I know as organizers, a lot of stress happens behind the scenes. And I'm sure for you as well, as you mentioned, how do you deal with that? Oh man, I don't know if I'm even like a good person to ask that because I <laughs> don't think that I have the best coping mechanisms. But um, I will say I was like pretty burnt out immediately after the event, um, like more than I have ever felt before. And what made me feel better was going to another event last night. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Where I mean, I wasn't like in charge of organizing that one or anything. And I was just able to go and like talk to people, um, I don't know if anyone there was actually at NFTVC, but like they all knew about it. Um, and just like being vulnerable with them and like they understand like the struggles of community building because they are building their community as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that has been, I don't know, one of the most positive things in it is uh, like feeling like there are people supporting like as much as there's like weird drama or you know you can't please everybody there's like 10 times more people who are like really grateful for the work as a community builder and who you know like see the effort that you put in and understand that it's stressful etc so i don't know i think that's like one of that's pretty good yeah, say, it's like, so it's like finding a support system of group of people who appreciate what you're doing and understands. And the easiest ways, I think, is to find other community builders or event organizers because we all know the struggle behind the scenes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so if you're feeling a bit burnt out or, or something, whatever it is, whether it's community building, is often uh, beneficial to, I guess connect with people in a similar field because they can relate to what you're doing. And that relationship thing is quite important. It's just like, ah, oh, this person knows what I'm feeling. Like they get it. So that can imply, uh, that can apply to like, any niche that you're working in really. Um, yeah. I think general support any person, even if they're not in your niche, but I think there's something unique when you're, when you can kind of get feedback or like, what's the word like get comfort from someone who's in the same field as you just because they just they just get it and it, it feels nice when someone gets it it, it kind yeah. of takes a lot of the weight off your shoulders i think that's i mean a large reason why i'm doing these events in the first place is because i was going through like the struggles of web3 and trying to break in as an artist in nfts and that was something that 
like regular people in my life couldn't relate to. And so I needed like that connection with other people in Web3 who understood and like I could use all these weird acronyms and they would understand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm, I like it. I, it's very, it's quite similar to uh, my beginning of my journey too, I feel. Yeah. Um, on that connection part then, how can, um, how can people, I mean, connect, reach out to you in the, in the web three space, you know, what's your, I'm on what's your handle? Just Twitter. Uh, yeah. Uh, or Instagram, whatever. I'm on all the things, but Twitter is probably the most, uh, web three place to reach me. Uh, my name, Carmela, ETC. Well, yeah. drop it somewhere. Go. Description. Yeah. yeah. It's cool how you said this at the start that Twitter, <laughs> like when you enter Web3, uh, one th the starter kit is if you haven't already create a, a Twitter account. Because I didn't use Twitter before um, before joining uh, Crypto yeah, Web3. Yeah, same. I, was just, I just found it a bit funny uh, because, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a staple for when people working yeah. in the space, that's that's where the communication is happening. Although Blue Sky is a new thing, apparently. Uh, so yeah. who knows how that's I'm not on Blue Sky. Yeah. But if anyone has an invite. <laughs> well, Frank up. just got in. Frank just got in. Oh, yeah? <laughs> today. Yeah. I just got in today. Nice. Uh, apparently, it takes two weeks to get a, to get an invitation cold. So well, you know, I've my friend told me she can give, give me one. And she's been waiting and waiting, and two weeks later, she gave it to me today. Um, so maybe in two weeks, I'll have another code, and I have to choose okay. between which of you to give. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, oh, no. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> this guy will probably be like an outdated thing by the time this comes out. <laughs> no. as, long as, the, as long as it's exclusive, it will remain cool. Um, yeah. yeah. But I mean, if, if, it, if it goes all right, if it's a similar experience to Twitter, um, then I'm sure that's obviously what they're aiming for. The challenge would be getting people to migrate over, but I mean, decentralized communication is important. Obviously, a different topic. <laughs> so that's a bit of a bit of a wormhole, rabbit hole. That one, but sure. Um, yeah, interesting. Cool. I think that's I pretty like much covers. That's pretty much what we have uh, today. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Your first guest. Yeah, thank you. Oh, tell, you can... tell me more about your podcast. Oh my gosh, she's being the host now. <laughs> Dude, we've got three. We've got three hosts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe you give the spiel, Frank. Oh, I was gonna give it to you, Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's kind um, of like. Okay, you go. <laughs> you know the way I talk is I just kind of throw my thoughts out. It's not very articulated. No, it's like that painter. Um, yeah, sorry, it's, who's that painter? Well, who's that artist? I have a of paint. Jackson Pollock. Pollock, that's the one. I was going to say Pollard. But that Pollock. <laughs> Close. Pollock, Pollock, yeah. Um, okay. So for me, it was because um, since last year, as I mentioned, I also started doing IRL meetups because I wanted to meet more people in the Web3 space um, and have more of a... Um, real life connection <clears throat> and also with the local communities, but also not too many more people were doing that last year. Um, 
And so I just said, yeah, fuck it. I'll start my, start doing with a couple of the PFP projects and just finding local holders. Um, the first meetup was like four people. And then it's just, just trying to be consistent. Um, so I guess that would be one tip for me is I do it once a month. So people kind of know it's going to happen. And if you'll miss this month, they'll come next month and slowly just um, grow from there. And then I kind of group the different communities because they're all so small, like a handful of people each. And then for the past like half a year, I just kind of grouped them all together in one meetup. Um, so we have like 15, 20 people and everybody kind of was able to meet new friends as well. Um, and then moving on to uh, creating my own artist collective because I wanted to find a group of artists in Web3 who also share some similar values. So for me, it was wildlife conservation um, or just people who wants to use their art to contribute um, to the planet in general. So I couldn't really find that in the projects that I was in because um, it was also out of my control. They have their own vision, of course. Um, so yeah, I just started my own sort of small and started hosting events. The first one was in Hong Kong, 100 people. And then I just kind of traveled back to back to different cities around Asia and Europe. And then so over the course of like two months, been to six uh, different countries to host the event. And I met so many awesome people, um, but I couldn't really kind of group them up in one place to build a community um, with them. So I was talking to Blaine um, the other day and he mentioned why not start a podcast. That way we can um, dive deeper, first of all, with the people we're interested in um, learning more about, getting to know them more, but also a way to um, kind of group up these people uh, where we can connect them um, between them easier and it's a lot easier, you know, once we do this um, podcast, when it's out, I can tell other people, hey, I know this really cool person in Vancouver, Carmilla, and instead of just me sharing about what I I know, I can just say, hey, hop onto this podcast, learn more about what she does. And, you know, it's kind of like a directory of um, awesome Web3 relationships, I guess. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's also just, just, it's from the kind of the psychological side of things as well. Working, because we all obviously all work in this space. And I think one common denominator is, and this is something I think we all need to work on, is that everyone seems to be that almost on the verge of burnout all the time. Like everyone seems to be working hard all the time. And, I mean, that's a positive thing in a, in a lot of ways, uh, but at, at the same time, it also is like quite poisonous. It can be if it's not managed well. Um, and for me, having an outlet where you can just kind of talk to kind of people in the space is cool. It's it's nice that I did a similar thing when I was uh, involved more in the conservation space, had a, a podcast with a, a couple of friends that were like, this was during COVID. Like, oh, should we just go, well, let's just have a chat every week, just talk about stuff. And that was really nice during that time. And so I think from just that psychological perspective, it's just kind of, I think it will be an, a nice outlet to have to just talk to cool people in the space. So yeah, yeah. it'll be fun to see how it evolves over time, but yeah, we'll see how we go. Episode number Genesis. <laughs> 